Support. Support. Support for this podcast is brought to you by the, the Kellogg Innovation Entrepreneurship Initiative. Think bravely. Think differently. Think collaboratively. So I jumped into account management just to try it out and see, you know, if this is something I'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting. I got to start. Team was really small. Um, got to help essentially build what that team was going to look like. Creating a whole shipping process, managing the inventory for all that. Um, building out a whole billing system to manage 10,000 subscriptions. Um, how old were you at the time? 23. Hello and welcome to My Startup Journey, a show where we interview Northwestern entrepreneurs, builders, visionaries, and classmates. Today's show is a little bit different, but we're talking to Justin Bendari about the roller coaster of working for Belly and then Higgy, two venture-backed startups. Before we start, I need to apologize for the background noise in this episode. I try to get interviews wherever I can, and so I did this one outside on a patio. But regardless, you're really going to enjoy the insights from Justin. So, more about Justin. Well, he grew up in Florida and went to school there too, but unlike most of us, he was usually the newest, close to the newest class in his new school, the newest chapter of his fraternity, and he needed a change, so that's when he decided to move from his hometown. I went to school at the University of Florida, so born and raised in that great state, and then I left as fast as I could and moved to Chicago uh, in 2011. So Justin leaves Florida, and he comes to Chicago with the intention of doing this rotational program for Marriott. And for most people who move, they usually might know someone. Justin says that he didn't know anyone. He didn't know a single person, but he was here for this role. And quickly, the role ended up changing and not being what he expected. What did you do for Marriott? Uh, so I was supposed to do a rotational program. Uh, my rotation was ended up being three days instead of three months. Uh, and I actually ended up working on their enterprise uh, sales team, working through uh, revenue modeling to make sure that uh, any deals we were working on for our enterprise customers were actually profitable, um, and then trying to direct them towards hotels in our portfolio throughout the Midwest that made more sense for us, but also met their needs. So a year into working at Marriott, I realized that it was way too big of a company for me. Um, everything moved really slowly. If there was something you thought was inefficient, you could tell your boss, but then my boss would have to go talk to her boss, we'd have to go talk to the director of the office, we'd have to go send it to like corporate headquarters. It just took forever to make small changes that would have, in my opinion, benefited the company. Um, so actually I had a colleague who's also same boat, a little frustrated with the process um, and how slowly things moved. So she told me about Belly, she applied there. Um, so I, I took a shot, I sent in my resume uh, on I think like a Tuesday, uh, had a phone interview on a Wednesday in person on a Thursday and an offer on a Friday. So moved pretty quickly. Um, but it was really exciting. It was kind of the same concept of moving to Chicago. I figured I could try it out uh, if the company went under. I didn't have kids or a wife or depending on me for a paycheck. Um, so I could definitely get another job I mean, or figure it out. I mean, that. that's that's a pretty risky move for what I would say for most people, right? It's it's like I'm coming out of college, I have this debt and I got to pay this and whatever and I got to live and all this other stuff and I, I know definitely a lot of people in college I went to Northwestern undergrad who took the corporate job, who took the consulting job, whatever and to, to jump to a company that was not really well known in Chicago, uh, I mean I knew it from restaurants and stuff but not like super well known 
it's pretty risky still, I, I think. It takes some takes some guts. So, belly. Maybe you can describe what it is. I know it from a from kind of a consumer perspective, but I don't know the full picture still. Sure. So I think the most uh, identifiable aspect of it from a consumer perspective is iPads that were located, you know, close to the point of sale at the register that you could scan in either using an app or a card, um, and it's just basically a replacement for a buy ten get one free punch card. So uh, from the store perspective, they're able to customize their rewards. So instead of buying ten cups of coffee and getting one free, a coffee shop could put a reward in there where you could go behind the counter and learn how to make your favorite coffee drink or name your favorite drink after yourself on, on the menu for a week. Um, so the goal is really to, one, allow businesses to have the flexibility of offering a program that makes more sense for their business, um, but then also allowing them to build relationships with their customers um, outside of kind of like that 30-second interaction at a register. Uh, the other piece that we eventually built onto it was having kind of marketing and retention capabilities. So the ability to send emails to your users on any events you have going on or any specials that you might be running. Uh, and then also uh, we launched something called Belly Bites, where you could send an offer to people who checked in at stores in your surrounding area but had never come to you for whatever reason. So going back to the coffee shop example, if you've gone to the salon next door and the restaurant across the street, um, being able to say, hey, you've been in this neighborhood, here's a cup of coffee, come Super visit us. Super smart. Super um, smart. And then that eventually iterated into offering, um, like, hey, you haven't been back in 60 days, here's 50% off if you come back in the next three days type of deal. Right, so right. so uh, it's was, it was really like a customer data and marketing company. Yeah, so that was definitely the goal, was to kind of be the customer relationship management tool for small to medium-sized businesses. Uh, since then, it's evolved, and uh, the focus has been more on enterprise. So one of the big deals that was being rolled out when I left the company was uh, a partnership with 7-Eleven. Um, so we rolled out to 3,500 7-Elevens across the U.S. Um, a couple of months before I left. Um, so that was kind of the goal, was, you know, roll out with them, roll out with companies like Pizza Hut, um, yeah. gas stations yeah. and really you know grow the business so what was it like working there my sentiment is that it's a, it's a small pyramid you have or it's a pyramid in general you have the top group which is a super small subset and they want to start their own thing which myself a couple other people who did venture cad etc then you have the next layer of people who they probably just want to join a startup, whatever that means, where they have a, they're still finding their business model-ish, and okay, it's a little bit more risk to even another group, which I think is your group, which is all right. I do want to join, but I I want to join a venture-backed startup that is not just working out of someone's garage, essentially. And the next group I think is I just want to do corporate corporate innovation. But I think there's a huge amount of people in that third group, which is I want to join a venture-backed startup. And first, I, you know, maybe you can talk about what's the difference between a venture-backed startup and a startup that is just, you know, yeah. someone's garage. So, I mean, to your point, a startup that's out of somebody's garage is still most likely an idea or maybe a prototype of a, a product or software. Um, so, really just trying to figure out what makes sense, what the market looks like, what the product should look like, or what changes need to be made to even launch, um, versus a venture-backed typically has... Uh, some sort of a product, um, a better idea, not necessarily the right idea, but an idea of what their market is and how they're going to 
launch or they have launched and have shown some success um, in their business model and are able to convince you know somebody to invest capital into them um, whether you know I think what we're talking about is probably past seed round but uh, series A or series B so kind of your first really big chunks of money to help you grow and expand your business. Uh, my interpretation is, or my understanding, right, is you have friends and family, which is uh, a couple, could be a couple thousand to like 50,000. You have angels who are not friends and family and they're, you can maybe raise about 100-ish thousand, whatever. Uh, then you have A. A is usually one to 10, B is 10, ish to like 50 and then yep. C and it can it doesn't stop at C it can right. keep going but you know what so for Belly what what round were they in uh, so when I joined uh, had a seed round of, from White Bank of I believe it was 750 wow um, and then um, crazy actually I accepted my job offer and then two like right before I started um, they announced a series A so I think I got in at like the perfect time in that um, they had money coming in from venture and um, I was starting kind of at the already accepted my job and when I started they were like about to go on a hiring spree um, and then we had a series B kind of down the road um, that you know was super exciting um, and then they have not raised since then as far as I know okay. um, how long did you work at belly uh, a little over three years so when I started, uh, the company, like I said, was super small, eight months old, so still definitely had an idea, but um, we're trying to really like figure out if this was the right way to go, expanding. Um, so we only had basically an engineering team, uh, account management, and sales. Um, I knew that engineering was not a possibility. I didn't have a background. Um, I didn't think sales was the right fit. So I jumped into account management just to try it out and see you know, if this was something I'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting. I got to start, the team was really small. Um, got to help essentially build what that team was gonna look like um, and continue to move up on that side. Uh, and then when we launched a finance and operations team, um, the gentleman who's now the CEO, Dan Glody, uh, was running the finance team at that time. Um, and he asked me to move over and help out uh, on that side. So got to basically help build that whole side of the house um, wow. in terms of building out cleaner operations so we're shipping iPads to people when originally we had people in the field going and installing each and every iPad it's like obviously not scalable as you're trying to get to you know 10 15,000 businesses uh, so creating a whole shipping process managing the inventory for all that um, building out a whole billing system to manage 10,000 subscriptions um, and how old were you at the time 23 24 <laughs> um, wow we also like at one point didn't really have contracts we had contracts but they half the time weren't signed or we didn't have payment information or um, any number of things like that. So working with him to like shore up that part of the, the business and making sure that we weren't taking on a ton of risk whenever we were shipping out an iPad. Um, so it was super exciting um, and definitely got to learn a lot. I mean, got to work on rolling out 7-Eleven, which is a huge logistics project. Yeah. Um, huge challenge, but also a, a great learning opportunity. So you did Belly for three years. And then you moved to Higgy? Yep. And why Why the jump? Um, so Belly experienced a ton of growth. And it was, I think, when I think of like stereotypical startup, you watch like Silicon Valley, Belly definitely epitomizes that. There's a ton of struggles, a lot of chaos, craziness. Your job today might be XYZ, and then tomorrow it's totally different. Um, 
and then on Wednesday might go back to what it was on Monday. Um, but it was also a lot of fun. Um, we there was so many days where our CEO would walk in with just a bunch of beer and be like, three o'clock, we're starting happy hour, like let's have fun. Um, and we grew really fast and it definitely was not a place that I was looking to leave, but uh, we went through two major layoffs in about a 13 month period. So went from like 130 people down to 70, built back up and then had another massive layoff. Now, why, um, why do you think that happened? Uh, the first one I think was we tried to expand too quickly. Um, we decided to launch into a bunch of markets all at once um, without kind of mastering that whole process. Um, and without also, I think, being super thoughtful about maybe launching to like three markets, building up and then going to three more. Um, the second time around was a mistake, I think, in hiring an executive who came from a much larger company and was used to spending a lot of money to build things quickly. Um, and with a startup, you obviously have limited cash flow um, and limited backing. So he spent a lot of money hiring a ton of people, bringing them all into Chicago to train them. Um, so we went through a lot of capital really fast. Um, so was, that round was more about like saving the business and making sure we had the runway to kind of exist for as long gotcha. as we needed to. So can you explain then what Higgy is for people who don't don't know too much, maybe sure. even about healthcare? Yeah. So. Um, like I was saying, second round of lay layoffs, um, I was really lucky in that I got to survive, but it was kind of one of those, like, do you want to stay, do you want to go? Um, so a couple months later, I finally decided to go, and I got really lucky, a recruiter reached out about Higgy, um, healthcare startup as it was then, I guess. Um, so it's really centered around uh, stations that are in your grocery store, uh, where you can take your blood pressure, your weight, your BMI, pulse, and on about 30% of the stations, you can look at hydration and body composition. Um, any major grocery, so Rite Aids, um, any Albertsons, so if you're in Chicago, most Jewel Oscos have them, um, Kroger, Publix, um, kind of all over. Okay. Uh, so today, they're in over 11,000 stores in the U.S., and then about 500 in Canada. Um, so when I started, the idea was really that we have the station. Uh, one of our revenue channels is this lease that the retailers are paying to have the station in their store. Another revenue channel was this messaging platform. So there's two digital screens on the station. So sure. impressions. Yeah, okay. selling advertising to anybody in the healthcare space. Um, and then a really small part of it was this data sharing where like you or I could go uh, as an employer um, and basically be like, we want everybody who's using the station to have the option to share their information back to us. Um, today, that has changed completely. The stations are obviously still very important, still a revenue channel. The advertising is still a revenue channel, but it's a much smaller focus in the company. Um, the data piece is huge because yeah. with having that that network um, and people obviously going to the grocery store once, twice a week. Um, so having that real-time data of like, here's your blood pressure week over week versus your annual checkup. Um, yeah, it's a huge yeah, game changer, yeah. especially if you are at risk for diabetes or hypertension or anything like that. Um, so building that connection with healthcare systems to basically incentivize their, their patients who are at risk to you know, continuously share their data with them. Um, same thing for insurance companies, obviously. For a lot of people, especially in our age group, they don't have a lot of information on us outside of our like what you registered with. So being able to see that like, okay, this guy is in his late 20s, but he's healthy versus this guy's in his late 20s, but he's 
super sick and like we're gonna spend a lot of money on him like let's try and get him healthy now mm. so that we're not paying for it for the rest of his or her lifetime very cool when we return justin tells us about the themes he's noticed from working for venture-backed startups the types of individuals they're looking for how to get a role demographics what to expect and his thoughts on getting equity as a new employee you're listening to my startup journey from the kellogg entrepreneurship venture capital club Stay tuned. If you had two versions of a website, how do you know which one people would more quickly understand? Could they find the information they were looking for? How long would it take them? Built for UX testing, Usability Hub allows you to see which version of your site or app users prefer, where would they click, how many do the action you want, and much more. At $2.50 per targeted tester, it's a great way to gain insight about your designs and user interfaces. Sign up at our EBC site to get 40% off of three months or do a pay-as-you-go model. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur or working for a startup and you're looking to grow your business, stay organized, or help with presentations, you should probably listen right now. In this segment, we call this Entrepreneur Tools, and it's a chance for me to tell you about some cool tools that can help you do all that. I'm not scared of spiders or clowns, but I do have FOMO, fear of missing out. What if you could create a great startup, but you needed a partner, and she's sitting right next to you, but you both never met? Well, now you can. Startup Soulmates is a browser app that I created for you. Swipe through profiles of Kellogg students, read their ideas, mark if you or someone you know can help them, and then create your own profile. I'll then connect you to anyone you marked or to other like-minded students, and then I'll share details about classes, competitions, and each other. We've already had 30 entries and connected about 70% of the entrepreneurs. No download required, and you can get started by texting Start Me Up to 773-382-8378. Again, that number is 773 773- Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, Justin told us the background of Belly and Higgy. For the rest of this portion, we're going to talk about the general themes of venture-backed startups. And Justin will share his insights around what it's like to work for them, equity, diversity, and other aspects. All right, so we have these two companies now. We have, and how long were you with Higgy? Uh, a little over two years. Two years, okay. So you were at Belly for three, Higgy for about two years. So these two companies, in, in retrospect, maybe you can give people a sense of what is it like? And I know it's it's so volatile, you said, but, you know, what have you noticed working at two venture-backed startups, why why they could be so volatile in terms of day-to-day work? Um, I think it's very easy to forget that you're building a business from the ground up. So, I mean, little things like I said at Belly, we didn't have, like, real contracts that we had rules around about filling them out correctly, and it seems like such a simple concept, but when you're just trying to sell as much as possible and get things to your vendors and make things work and make sure you're collecting cash and things like that that seem like a huge deal end up being like priority number 17 on your list of things to do so 
um, it's very easy to like let things like that fall to the wayside until they become an issue and that's when you realize like oh man I like need to fix this today mm. um, so I think as time goes on obviously you have things fixed and set and processes that are ready to go but in the beginning you're definitely kind of just jumping from issue to issue just trying to resolve it or fix it enough to where you can come back to it um, and fix the next fire that's kind of about to go off and what I guess it, it so that that's from workload culture wise and obviously both companies are very different but can you describe what you've noticed from a venture back obviously compared to a Marriott right Not besides just the I gotta gun 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 it yeah what's well, sort of like I guess the yeah the interaction interpersonal interaction among coworkers. Yeah, I think Belly for sure was like a family mentality. Um, still really good friends with a lot of people that are there. Um, we were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, I just went to a bachelor party of one of my best friends from that company. There's another guy from Belly there. His wedding's in a month. Our old boss is the one marrying him. He's marrying a girl who he met at Belly. Like, That's awesome. It was it was like the people that you worked with but then you also wanted to hang out with on the weekend um and it was i think this pride uh, mentality of like we're in this together we're like one big family building something amazing anytime somebody left it was super sad not because you were losing a colleague and a resource and all that but it was your one of your like friends you saw every day was not going to be there anymore um but the good thing was you were still friends and you get to see them on the weekend hey he was a little bit different um Higgy had, I mean, healthcare in itself is like a much slower moving space. Um, a lot of our executives, a lot older and more experienced, so they came from big corporate companies. Um, so the culture was like a mix of both like that sort of mentality. We had happy hours every Thursday, people went out together, um, but it definitely was not as uh, like stereotypical startup, like shotgun a beer in the kitchen type of place. Yeah, yeah. Would, um, I guess, how much of the culture is influenced by the the leadership team the at a startup yeah i think it's a much bigger impact in a small company because your ceo sits in the same office as you um a lot of time they're upset everybody in the office knows it um and it definitely changes the mood of the entire office i keep using belly because we had like big open floor plan and our ceo sat on the floor like open desk with the rest of us if he had a bad phone call at somebody, even if you didn't know what it was about, he could have been talking to his wife and they just had an argument. You had no idea what it was, but he'd come back to his desk and it would slowly permeate through the office of like, something is not right. Um, so I, I think from that standpoint, like it was hard for him too of like, he was conscious of that. So he had to do his best to make sure that he was like upbeat and positive as much as possible and making sure that people felt like, all right, things are good and we're, we're yeah. moving forward. Um, same thing at Higgy. I mean, if, we had an all-hands meeting, and our CEO was, like, trying to give updates, but he sounded, like, bummed out or didn't really, like, believe in what he was saying. You could tell. Um, versus, like, a United, you know, send out an all-company memo, and people are like, cool, cool, whatever, like, next thing. Um, so I think it's a much bigger impact. But I think the, on the flip side, uh, at a startup, you have an opportunity to also make a big impact. Um, what I really loved about both companies is I could walk up to our CEO and be like, I think that we are doing a terrible job at X, Y, and Z, and here's how we should fix it and both companies both CEOs were very receptive and they were always like great go do it um, and they gave you the opportunity to try and fix whatever you thought was wrong um, if they really disagreed we'd talk through it and figure out like where the differences were coming from but um, it gives you kind of that opportunity to 
make your impression on the company and change things for the better. What's the like a good type of person that would be needed for a venture back startup? Uh, I think you have to be. I mean, obviously, you have to be comfortable with the risk, but I think at some point, everyone's a little bit comfortable with some risk. Um, I think with most venture-backed places, the likelihood of you losing your job on the fly is pretty low. Like, there's usually warning signs of like things are not going well, or like you can usually figure it out that like, layoffs are coming. Um, I think you have to be way more comfortable with chaos. Um, like I said, like your job today uh, could be very different tomorrow, and there could be no end in sight in that like today you're doing finance but tomorrow we need you to be on the phone selling because that's just what we need for the next three months um, and the timeline could be three months it could end up being three days it could end up being six months you have no idea uh, so you have to be really comfortable with that ambiguity and taking on things that you might be totally uncomfortable and totally unqualified to do but you just have to kind of go with it what about the workload for, uh, obviously we have three we have three examples right we have uh, corporate, corporate where Marriott, I'm assuming, is pretty nine to five. Yep. United was nine to five, very standard. If some people who do some work at home, obviously. On the most extreme side, when you're doing your own thing, you're it's constantly on your mind, and you're constantly doing work on it. But for venture back, I mean, are there? I, I'm assuming there are probably no set hours, but there's probably a lot of work. Definitely. So, um, Belly, I think. Where you're like usually in the office by like 8 or 8 30 which is pretty early for startups um our team at least um and pretty typically we're there until like 11 um wow and wow i think our team especially was i mean we were finance and operations you always want to keep it as lean as possible so we were doing probably a lot more than what we should have been doing but it's also like how do you justify spending more money on a group that's not bringing in money. Um, so that's the other piece of it where like United or Marriott, you know, they don't want to get sued. So they'll hire enough people to make the workload manageable. Um, Higgy was definitely more cyclical. Um, so there was days where it's four o'clock and I was like, all right, I'm leaving because I'm done. Uh, and there's days where I'd go to class and then jump back on my computer and I was online until like midnight or one, just cranking away. So. I think it also depends on the, the model of the company and what your, your function is. Um, at Higgy, it was way more client-facing, so it was pretty easy to kind of get caught in the 9 to 5 of, like, customers are gone, they've left their office, like, I just need to wrap up some other things and I can leave. Um, yeah. But then, you know, as you take on more and take on projects that are outside of the scope of your job, you obviously end up adding in hours. All right. Do you happen to know, off the top of your head, the distribution or breakout of folks that lived... First, I guess, what's the average age, the distribution of gender, distribution of people who lived in the city versus suburbs? Um, so, Belly was super young. Uh, I think the average age was like 25 or 26 when I started. Um, and you see a 23-year-old kid running running uh, operations of iPads, too. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> most people lived in the city. Uh, I think almost everybody. There's a handful of people who, like, I just graduated college. They lived in the suburbs with their parents. So they're trying to get you know back on their feet after college, um, sure. things like that. But most people lived in the city. Um, Piggy, and in terms of gender mix, um, we actually had a pretty even split. Um, I think the engineering team was more skewed towards male, but um, and same thing with finance and operations. We had one woman on our team, um, but most of the other teams, marketing, account management, sales, um, were pretty split. Uh, 
uh, strategy. They're also split. Um, Higgy, not as even of a skew gender-wise. Um, and Higgy's like a different model altogether. We have office in Chicago, office in Seattle, office in LA. Uh, the West Coast offices are products of acquisitions. Um, we have a bunch of people who are remote. Um, average age, I would say, is probably like 45. But this is also a skew of a ton of very senior people who have been in the healthcare industry for 20 years and then a lot of people under the age of 30 who are kind of doing the day-to-day work. Um, so definitely a different model. I think if you want to work at a startup though, no matter how senior you are, I mean, our CEO made his own decks for any call that he's on, any proposals. I think that's the mentality you have to have is like, I might know a ton about this industry, but my door's open. I want to hear new ideas and I'm willing to get my hands dirty and do the work, pick up the phone, do whatever it takes to, to build this business. Because as soon as you have somebody who's like, no, no, not my job, like you go do this, you have a resource that's not putting 110% into a company. And when you can't hire 30 people at a time, that's exactly what you need. That's smart, that's a good answer. So for people who are looking to join venture-backed startups or they're considering it, what, uh, I guess I have a couple questions. What advice would you give them, number one, obviously, and <clears throat> What advice would you give them when, to, so advice around even considering it. And the second advice I have is, or second question I have for you is advice around what you should ask startups when you are looking. Because uh, obviously a lot of Kellogg folks, they can, they will have the choice of going to an Amazon or going to a Bain, BCG, McKinsey, Accenture, whatever. Um, but, you know, those are like, those are companies where there's more, leverage from the bigger company than there is the individual but in the startup it's kind of almost shared like I need you to grow my company but I the individual needs to get paid yeah and all this other stuff too um, I think advice in terms of deciding if the corporate route versus startup route is right for you I think is talk to people who are in it today um, you know find out and ask like the hard questions like what do you absolutely hate about working at a startup and what do you love um, and if you you know, never worked at a corporate company, obviously do the flip side of it. Um, but I think just, and also be honest with yourself, like, are you going to be okay with like ambiguity and like a lot of risk and, you know, long hours, which everyone always says they're fine with until you kind of get into the trenches and you're like, I am working 12 hours selling something that I've like never sold anything in my life. Like you have to be really ready to do something that you might not be comfortable with. Um, so I think definitely do a little soul searching and then also ask around and just kind of get people's opinions. Um, in terms of finding a startup, uh, I think similarly, like think about what you're passionate about. You can't just go to a startup and be like, this is cool, I'm gonna do a nine to five. It's, you're gonna get fired or you're gonna wanna leave because you're gonna be miserable. Um, it should be something that you care about, um, something that you wanna help grow, not just the industry, but the company and the idea that they have. If you don't believe in it, you're not gonna be happy there. So I, I think, like resources like Built-In or Matter, um, you know, 1871, going and talking to people who are, have ideas or have a startup and really getting to know what their business model is, who the people are that are there. Um, it's like a four-person company. You need to make sure that those four people are people that you click with and are gonna absolutely love spending 15 hours a day, six days a week with, um, and just find out what the culture is like. I think people think it's like a super cheesy thing to talk about, but it makes a big difference. Um, they are 
not flexible and you can't ever work from home and that's important to you like stuff that you should know up front if they only work together and they don't ever like hang out like maybe you're fine with that but i think that you lose something when you're you're trying to build something if you don't have that that mentality right right or what comes to your mind when you hear different people like kellogg who are you know into entrepreneurship or startups and they 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 tell you that they want to start their own thing or they want to join what what is going in your head usually because you've, you've you've been on the other side i mean i think it's really exciting especially when people haven't ever done it uh, i think everyone should do something like this at some point whether it's starting your own or joining a still in the garage idea or venture backed one uh, i think it just stretches you so much to try all of these new things and i'm all for that um, I will say, talk to a lot of people who want to start something um, but have not done their research in terms of they have this really great idea and they're like ready to go do it. But then, I mean, a quick Google search will be like, well, there's already 15 companies doing it. And they've been doing it for 10 years and like are doing it really well. That's not a reason to not do it, but like you should make sure that whatever you are going to produce is somehow innovative on that overall idea. So I think, one, just making sure that you like have really vetted your idea. Um, and I think also just doing research in general about like, when people are like, I heard about this really cool startup and I wanna go join, like, okay, that's great. Like, that's really exciting, but what do they do? Like, how many rounds of funding are they raised? Like, what does their leadership team look like? What is the culture like? What is your job gonna be? Like, what does the growth potential look like for the next three months? Because I think anything more than that is probably unrealistic. Um, These are good questions, very good questions um, to ask. But I think people just kind of are like, I heard it's doing well, it's growing fast, like I want to go join, which is fine, but I think you're setting yourself up for probably a lot of disappointment. You know, there's a question I, I forgot to ask you that uh, I think I should, is working for a venture-backed startup, there's a talk of salary and equity, right? And maybe a little bit lower salary to get some equity. Do you, what, what is your take on that? Do you go in expecting to try to get equity out of Belly or Higgy, or do you just want the salary? Um, I went into both with, I mean, Belly, I was super young. I was like, well, and take whatever they wanted to give me. Um, Higgy, I think I did a, a much better job of kind of negotiating both and getting kind of both where I wanted them to be. Um, I think it's personal preference, but I think if you're going to a startup, you're going there because you believe in it and you believe in the idea. Um, so the equity should be valuable to you. Um, and you, I mean, I think you have to go in expecting you're not going to get paid what the market rate is um, unless you're like super super senior um, and I mean obviously that's the hope is that equity is worth 10x what your salary is um, so if you don't believe in it and you think the equity is worthless like you probably should be joining that company right right that's good what about what you know you're, you're so young when you joined Belly and you left Marriott's huge corporate gig what do your parents think my family is really supportive. Um, I talked to my mom and my sister about it when I was considering, and they both had the exact same response, which was very strange, which was, you are 23 years old. Nobody's depending on you. If this totally gets screwed up, like, you'll find something else. And if you don't, you can always like move home for a little bit until you figure it out, um, which I think also for an Indian family, like a very unusual response to leave like this corporate gig yeah, um, to go do like startup, especially going into like account management, which is like not law, medicine, or business. Yeah. Um, so I mean, my family is awesome about it. When I left Delhi to go to Higgy, they still were like, cool, like 
try it out, like learn something new. Um, if this works, it works. If you absolutely hate it, like you'll find another job. And if you need help, we're like all here to, to support you. So I think that makes a, a big difference too, of like knowing that you're you're not in it on your own. I was uh, expecting them to say, you know, you come home, work on your shoddy.com profile. <laughs> And then are there any classes that you've taken so far that you think have could have helped you at Belly, Higgy, if you had to go back in time and redo? Uh, so I've been pretty lucky. I started Kellogg six months into being at Higgy. Uh, okay. So I've gotten to use a lot of stuff I've learned at Kellogg there. Um, most useful at Higgy has been uh, the first Morris class that you take, which I was really surprised about. Um, because of kind of like the corporate slash younger group split, mm. there's a lot of like culture and structure things that, I mean, even around incentives that the company just didn't have. They didn't have performance reviews, been around for a couple of years. So like, being able to walk into our CEO's office and be like, I think we should have performance reviews. And like, here's why. Also, here's like cases that I just read from Kellogg that back it up and definitely learn a lot more about healthcare space, um, Higgy was my first foray into it and it was really exciting, but I think definitely want to deepen that knowledge and skill set and then, I don't know, we'll see what kind of comes after that. I haven't even started yet, but uh, maybe start something after that if I stumble upon something or you know, join somebody else's startup if that's where the road takes me. That is a very Justin <laughs> answer. Let's just go wherever the road takes yeah. me. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Uh, and I think we're good. When we did this interview, Justin had just quit Higgy and was getting ready to start his new job in the innovation department of Anthem, a big player in the healthcare space. He'll be working in the strategy and business development groups, but we talked about how his move from Florida brought him to Anthem through a series of tests and C trials. Personally, I was very excited to do this interview because we had heard from you, the listener, about what it was like to work for a startup instead of starting your own company. I really hope this was valuable, and if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas, please leave a review. That is my ask of you. You're listening to EVC's My Startup Journey, and until next time, keep dreaming.